I'll rip your arm off. You know what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor for FivePointMove.com. And with me is someone who does not need an introduction. That is 2019 world team member, Ellis Coleman. Uh, Ellis, this is, I guess, I don't know, appearance number four or five or something on the program. And you are also coming off the heels of senior world team camp, which wrapped up yesterday. I think it was like a whole day of matches or you had two match sessions, uh, whatever it was. Uh, first and foremost, how are you physically coming out of the camp comparative to the previous couple of years? Uh, I feel really good. Um, really fresh, uh, this year. We, uh, we monitored the training pretty well this year, me and my coaches and, um, made sure that my body stayed fresh and, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't wear my body out too much to where I, I couldn't recover as well. So uh, we were able to work hard and we were able to recover at the same time and train smart at the same time. So it was real good for me. That was something Coach Spencer Mango alluded to a couple of weeks ago in the Army report. And that was the focus on getting the work in, getting the work in, getting the work in. But you use the word monitor like that. That was pretty much what he said, uh, nearly verbatim. And does that mean taking like uh, taking your foot off the pedal during certain sessions? Does that mean taking a longer rest period in between sessions? What does that look like when it comes to like getting that right around right amount of rest during the camp? Uh, no, it's just so uh, yeah, certain sessions, certain sessions of my body. If I felt like I was uh. My body was hurting too much. You know, I'll, I'll take one practice off. And so, um, and that's not probably one practice off for the whole entire week. But for the most part, it was pretty much uh, one hard practice on. And then instead of, because we had some days where it was two days, two live, two days of live, both practices. So for me, it would just be one hard practice live and the next practice off, you know. One hard practice live and then that next practice just be drilling. So it was, it was, it was perfect. Last month, we did an article, a Q&A with you that you know, summarized the Pan Am Games camp. And there, that Pan Am Games camp uh, was supposed to be intense. This is World Team Camp. World Team Camp is supposed to be intense. How was this one uh, different comparatively to the Pan Am Games camp in terms of volume, intensity, and things like that? Um, it was pretty similar to the Pan Am camp. Um, I think we have more pa more partners, and I think we went more live this time. Um, but as far as like the training, well, it was pretty similar. We had a little uh, three days for the Pan Am camp, though. We had um, they, we had lifted in the morning. This one we didn't, but we had a uh, we had I think we had a little bit more live. But at the same time, Pan Am camp was like the first camp, you know, after World Team Trials, after our break, you know, to get everybody ready, get everybody prepared, and going for um you know, the next thing, that was the next competition. So I think coming from the Pan Am, coming from the Pan Am games, we were good because we didn't really have too much anyways. Um, you know, we weren't starting from nowhere. 
we are start we're starting from that Pan Am coming from the Pan Am games, you know, heading into the world team camp. So everybody was still in shape, everybody was fresh and uh everybody already started that track to, to get get pushing for the world championships. You've done this before. You've been here before, uh, coming out of a world team camp on the, you know, right, right on the cusp of departure for the worlds. This time it's Kazakhstan. Is there a specific way? You know, you mentioned the word fresh a couple of times, but also just mentally even, is there a specific way you want to feel when a world team camp closes at this point in your career? Um, yeah, I mean, I just want, like I, like you said, I mentioned the word fresh. I want to feel like, you know, that I'm not burnt out. Uh, I want to feel like I can go in into the, the world championships feeling as, as good as possible, as fresh as but like, like, you know, in the middle of the year. I think that, uh, we train, you know, our whole year and we, and we, during, for these competitions, we make, uh, we make world teams or whatnot. And we do all this stuff, you know, doing some, a certain training regimen, you know, and then, once we actually make the world team, it's like once we actually make the world team, we we cha- we automatically change it up, and then you know what I mean, and then start doing some different training regimen. When throughout the year we don't have we don't do any of that, you know. Throughout the year we do whatever our, our, we're doing at home with our with our team, you know, to to make this the world team to to go to these other competitions throughout the year. So I just think that um you know like changing it up might not. For me, sometimes you know, might not might not always help out. Might not always work out for me. So, like, I like to do what I did this whole entire year. What, what worked for me, how I made how I made the teams that I made. You know. Um, no, well, you know what? That's interesting. If only because that's been a theme. That the theme has been continuity throughout this entire year, this competitive year, this season with the training camps. It's like the, it's as if like you know the even if there's certain kinds of changes in a camp curriculum, whether that's Pan Am Championships camp or Pan Am Games camp or this camp, like by and large, it seems as though it has stayed pretty consistent. the The book has stayed hasn't really veered from too many pages, and I imagine that has been a, a pretty big benefit, not just for you, but especially for a lot of the the you know, the guys who've been around the block a couple of times. Right. It's the, I mean, and that's what I think, like, personally is, like, a big thing for me. I mean, because I had a certain training regimen I did throughout the whole entire year, you know? So it just wouldn't really make sense to change it up too much, um, considering that's what worked for me already um, in the beginning. So, But, I mean, I think Coach Lynn's done a really good job of uh, scheduling, like, training a camp. For the training camps, you know, and the schedule and everything that he's put forward for us, I think he's done a really good job with it. And uh, it's been, I mean, it's been good. The Pan Am camp was pretty good. I liked it a lot. This camp that we had, I liked it a lot as well. I haven't really, I mean, I, I haven't really had any problem with anything, you know. And he said at the same time, I think that uh, one thing that a lot of people need to think about and realize is uh, your, your career is in your hands too, you know. So, I mean, a lot of times we get caught up trying to do every single thing that they tell us to do. They don't and they're just putting that out there, you know, because what they think is best for us. But they, they know that they don't know what our body, what's going on with our bodies, and they can't control our bodies, you know. And Coach Lillian said communication is key, you know. And so they communicate with us, and we communicate with them. And that pretty much, you know, it, it, you have to know, you know, when to come on and off the mat, you know. Because if you don't communicate, then you're pretty much just hurting yourself. So, And I've been pretty good with that, you know, talking to the coaches and them talking to me and figuring out what we're going to do for the uh, – 
for, you know, just for the training regimen and the plan for me. How does this tie into the fact that everything was kind of, I guess, uh, pushed up a little bit this year comparative to last year? There's no going to the, you know, last year was Tata Hungary, three weeks and change out. This time around, there's you're staying home, you know, right up until, what is it? You're leaving September 6th, so... Uh, that's basically just a week out of the tournament. Um, in the Lindland report that just dropped, or no, rather the Monday roundup, is he says that we were counting the number of nights we get to sleep in our own beds, and we think that's a good thing for this team. You know, which is, I guess, another way of saying, like, we, you know, we wanted to stay home longer and guys be in their comfort zones, their comfortable training environments and things like that a little longer prior to the tournament. Um, there was a couple of dissenting voices regarding this fact last year. You are somebody who just rose in the boat and you're cool with everything and that's great. But do you like the fact that you're home longer leading up to the Worlds this year? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I like it for this um just training at the altitude, you know, I think that'll help out a little bit um, heading into the World Championships. But outside of that, I uh, I think that um, I wanted uh, I like being home training. It's a comfortable training environment. Or not, it would be nice to have a, a few a little bit more foreigners, I think, um, to train with. But outside of that, I mean, I'm always comfortable with whatever the situation is. You know, whatever the situation is, I'm always gonna be comfortable with. It. I'm gonna figure out a way to do what I have to do, regardless. Right? I mean. For the most part, I I don't I don't really have a problem with anything. It just it would be nice to get a, just a look at some foreigners, more foreigners before you know just heading into the world championships. Because I mean, these guys that at the camp and stuff like that, we wrestle. I wrestle these dudes all all year, you know, all year long. So, but it is what it is. I mean, it still was a really good camp, you know, and we focused on a lot of things that we needed to focus on. So. Well, you certainly brought that up coming out of Pan Am Games camp. You know, you wanted some different looks. Exactly, because I mean, I, I was I was going there wrestling people from another country, you know. So, well, everybody talks about uh, adjustments. How there really isn't time to make wholesale adjustments this close out. The talk is always how maybe there could be some tweaks here and there, perhaps, but that there really isn't a ton of learning, let's say, going on at a world team camp. Uh, is it that way for you? And and to be honest, even if it is, were you still able to fine tune some items throughout the past week? Oh yeah, I was I was I was able to adjust some. I was able to do. I mean, work on everything that I think essentially that I needed to work on for myself personally. Um, personally worked on the things that I need to work on, and we still have like 17 days until the competition, you know. So I'm just going to be working on a lot of parterre defense. That's what I've been working on a lot. Um, and just pushing it on my feet and scoring on my feet. So I mean, like we, like I said, we had a chance to gauge ourselves off of uh, the Pan American Games, you know. And so clearly, it was evident again, you know, I need to be work, uh, working on parterre a lot. And uh, all the guys, I mean, all, a lot of the guys on my weight class are good at parterre. So, well, they're good at parterre. I brought this up to Spencer in the Army report, and that is you against the Cuban. And it's like you watch you against the Cuban. I've said this to you in person 
at Final X Rutgers too, I think. It's like you watch you against a Cuban and like in every discernible way you are right there with them. And it's two matches now where it's just been one thing that is like basically led to the snowball effect. Matches like that, do you analyze them? Do you break them down? Or do you walk off the mat knowing immediately where it is that you have to shore up? Um, I analyzed, you know, uh, did a lot of talking with my coach, um, about what the next, what the plan is. Um, but he said, you know, himself, like initially that, you know, after, after the tournament, actually that, you know, that world championships, we're on training for this tournament, we're training for the world championships. And this is a good, good time to engage ourselves, you know, and figure out what we need to work on, what we're going to have to do heading into the world championships. Got three teammates on this world team, your Ninja Squad teammates. That's obviously Max Nowry, Ildar Hafizov, and Ryan Mango in weight class order. Uh, I look at you as, you know, the de facto leader of this group. I'll leave it to you, uh, just in your perspective. How did, how did these three guys make out during camp? Uh, I think they did really well. Um, Coach Lewis made sure he uh, he get, he put us in a section where he was able to you know work out all, with all of us and look at all of us and make sure that we were all working on the things that we need to work on and getting the looks that we need before the World Championships. Um, we had matches. I'm not sure. I don't remember Ryan, uh, Max's matches, but Ryan won all his matches and uh, Ildar looked pretty really good too. Um, he wrestled one of the bigger guys, an Egyptian guy who weighed a lot more than him, and he threw him around and. Did pretty well against him too. So um, the campus, I mean, it's, it's good. It's a good thing to gauge yourself off of, you know, heading to the World Championships. I guess for just to have a positive mindset going into it. But I mean, you don't really. Everything changes once you're out there. Once you're out there and you're in that actual atmosphere, you know. So being home is a little bit more comfortable than it is being there. Want to veer off course for just a second? I want to get your insights on this, and that is. Right before World Team Camp started, there were three Americans winning medals at the Junior World Championships. You might know something about what that entails, considering you have two of them yourself. And that is Colton Schultz, you know, once again made the podium. He took silver, Austin Nutter at 63, he took bronze, and Peyton Omania at 67. Your weight class, he goes ahead and he takes bronze as well. And Colton Schultz was dominant up until the final, and even in the final, he lost by a point. That's, you know, Colton Schultz now in three world tournament matches that he's lost. He's lost by a single point. Austin Nutter was down 6 nothing, and he comes back, throws the guy, lands on him, uh, catches the arm, pins him. It was uh, exhilarating to say the least. And then Peyton Omanya's match uh, for bronze was incredible. You know, incredibly adrenalizing and awe-inspiring as well. Uh, did you watch these matches? Did you, you know, you've been there before. Um, you know, what is your perspective here? It was a big day for the juniors. You have trained with these guys. You competed against Omania here at the yeah, Open. I, yeah, it was, I was really happy for him. I didn't see any matches. I was looking at the results, actually, online the whole entire time. Um and I was, I mean, it's always good when we get 
medals, you know, regardless, international medals are re really good, um, no matter what level it's on. But at the junior level in particular, it's really good because it just shows where our program is heading, you know, and uh, it shows that we're improving. When you when you won your second junior medal, then that, that of course, piggybacked into the next season, and that was a breakout season, of course, and everything else, but... When you won your second junior medal, never mind your first one, which was uh, completely mind blowing at the time, but your second one, and you're, you you know that you're entering senior competition uh, coming up the next season and everything else. What was your, you know, like if you can think back on it, and it's a little bit of a while ago at this point, maybe, but if you could think back on it, what was your attitude like what was your level of confidence after having reached that level of success of the junior world championships uh, i was really happy um i mean it's different looking back on it now but back then it was like it was my career just broke so promising um you know uh and just seeing you know how many people who placed at your junior worlds and how, how how well they did at the senior worlds later on. So when I was looking at that and just gauging myself with that, you know, I was pretty po I had a really positive mindset and knew that you know I was headed for big things and great things. And um, I mean, obviously, all the guys that I wrestled that that placed at my junior world bracket actually, except one person, are all world champions now. So I mean, it definitely it definitely does mean a lot heading up into the senior level. But not looking back on it now too, you know. Um, the guys are way more open on the junior level. It's different wrestling on the junior level than it is at the senior level. It just matters how you pan out um, as a wrestler. You know, I mean, as unfortunate, I had injuries and stuff like that and slow down, but I mean, it doesn't mean that I still don't have a chance or have the time and an opportunity to be able to get get a, get a world championship on, under my belt, too. So, Really excellent organic segue to my next question for you, the athlete, and that is what about this trip to a world tournament is different for you this time around, aside from the fact that qualifying is kind of part of the deal? Um, man, <laughs> just, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, I, I really, I don't want to say, but I do want to say redemption and, uh, and just, I mean, it's, it's another opportunity to be able to, to get what I've been reaching for, you know, what I've been training for this whole time. You know, it's another opportunity to chase my dream. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like every time I get there, I mean, the past couple of years, you know, um, it was, I, I've always, I was on the cusp of, of, of meddling every time, you know, and it, it's just putting it all together for one tournament. That's all it really is. It's something that's simple. It's putting it all together for one tournament. And the more opportunities you get to do that, you know, you like to think that uh, the better you'll be at it. So I think that, um, you know, like you said, qualifying the weight and then just get another chance, man, to go back out there and dance and show them what I'm capable of. What do you pack for the world, Ellis? It's a weird question, but I'm always curious. I mean, you, you have bags you have to bring. You have a suitcase, whatever else, a gear bag. What do you pack? Do you bring anything of note, anything sentimental, anything you know, good luck. Uh, like, do you bring anything unique with you? Nope. <laughs> All I bring is my wrestling shoes and everything that I plan on using. Uh, if I have to lose weight, just singlets, wrestling shoes, and all that. I don't. I don't really. I'm the type of person. I don't like to put too much thought into anything. 
overthink anything. Uh, I think the most important object that I bring with me is my headphones and my music. As long as I got that on the day of competition, I'm going to be good. Well, how about this then? Given your other emerging career as a performing artist, do you like get songs in your head? Do you bring a notebook? Do you jot down lyrics? Do you have Ooh, uh, actually, beats to, you know? That's, you... That's, that is one thing that I have been doing recently and lately. I do I do bring uh, I do bring my notebook with me sometimes because uh, we have a lot of downtime, you know, after when we're not working out and we're not doing anything. And I do like to listen to music and, and write music. Um, it's just a hobby of mine and it, it takes time away and uh, something that I enjoy doing. So I have been doing that um, at, at past few tournaments lately. What is, uh, you've done any research, what is uh, Kazakhstan, Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan's, uh, you know, they're, they're seen like, you do any YouTube searching, Kazakhstan hip-hop artists or anything like that? See what they got to No, I haven't. I, I went to Kazakhstan one time, actually. I don't know, I forgot what country we were in. We went, um, for the Uzbekistan Championships, uh, it yeah, was right yeah, at the border. It was right at the border. Okay, yeah, Shimkan. Right at the border. And uh, so, I mean, uh, I, from from what Ildar tells me, it's going to be way different. Uh, the Sultan is supposed to be way nicer than Shimkan because Shimkan was kind of iffy. But when we, we, went, we went out there and we listened to music and stuff like that, and there wasn't really anything like, I think they had very little hip-hop. I don't think it was too much, but I... Uh, Odar listens to Russian rap and he's going to show me some of like <laughs> Russian rap and stuff like that. So, <laughs> and I actually kind of like it. Just the fact that, I mean, only thing is I don't understand it, but I, I like the, the flow, you know, I like the beats and everything like that and the melody of it. So, I mean, if I actually understood the lyrics and stuff like that, I think it probably definitely make it more interesting, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm real open to all music. So they don't use, like I said, like the Eastern European dialects, they don't have determiners. Like in English, you use the. That's a determiner. You know, the way that they organize their indefinite articles and things like that for syntax is different. It's all different. So, like, it would translate really e abrupt in English. You know, like any oh, kind really? of sense. Yes, of course. How do they talk? You hear them talk. How many Russians have you met in your life? A million? Like, how do they talk when they speak English? Like, they're like, go to store. <laughs> you know, like we must do this. I go to store and buy food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it's nice, right to the point. Yes, of course. I told, I told, I tell Lindland this all the time. My son, my son's uh, speech therapist is is Russian, and he when I first met her, like you know, whatever, a year and a half ago or something like that. You know, I'm, I was, I like immediately started using her as like a resource. So I would bring her like all of these, you know, all of these names that we all know, but mm -hmm. I would bring her all these names. It's like, how do you pronounce this exactly? Like, how do you pronounce this? And I like learned certain stuff that way in case I have to talk to people or I'm on a, you know, whatever, I'm on a podcast, if I'm on somebody else's show or whatever, if I have to speak in front of people and mention a Russian name, it'd be preferable if I don't sound like a freaking moron. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I learned a lot. I was actually going to start trying to, I mean, not that I even had the time to do it. I, w I was actually going to, like, 
I thought about trying to like learn the language enough, like Cyrillic to like read and write, like just so I could, you know, just have another skill or something like that. Just for, just for me, I'd like to pick shit up like that. Yeah. I, I started like doing like, you know, a modicum of research and learning. And I was going to like, I think I downloaded some app and even to listen to when I'm, you know, traveling or something. And I was like, you know what? Everybody has that little episode. I, I, I remember when I first came to the, um, Olympic Training Center. I was hanging out with Robat, and he was actually uh, Andy Robat. He was actually learning Russian. Well, he I'm not sure. I don't know if, he, while, if he's pretty, he? if he's pretty fluent in it now. But I remember him doing that. And then I remember other people trying to learn it at that time. Yeah, but Robat lived over there too. Eventually, like for a while, like this Park, probably Park that probably helped him learn Russian. Yeah, I guess I'm. Dude, I mean, I'm overrun here i'm not gonna have the i mean i want i would love to be able to like say that like i mean neither one of us i mean not to speak for you but i mean who i don't have i I guess you could create the time if you want to do something bad enough you create the time but like i can't even imagine having the time to like block out like even like four three hours a week to where it's like yeah you know these are my language lessons that i have to do on my own like have the self discipline and fortitude to like power through what's a really crazy language to even look at, you know, visually, like with the characters. Like their their lower cases are still their upper cases are just written smaller and it's just I don't know. I don't know if I have the brain power for it, honestly. I just don't. Yeah. Whatever motivates you. <laughs> like me. Mean. I mean, learn I had to learn Spanish because my wife didn't know any English, so <laughs> yeah, that'll motivate somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, whatever, if it's something to motivate you, then you know, um, then it. I mean, it changes everything, you know. So like Ildar, you know, he wanted to get his family out of the situation that they were in, so he came over, you know, learned English, and look where he is now. No, look where so. he is now. Then that's a great point because it just makes like a, it just makes most Americans look so lazy and dumb. <laughs> so many of us just we only have English. Most of us don't even don't even have a firm grasp on our native tongue. And yet, when somebody comes over here and doesn't speak our language, but yet can speak it enough to kind of get by, we judge how bad they are at English. It's like, oh, his English sucks, you know. <laughs> it's like you can't you you have nothing. Like you're you can't do anything. But we do it. No, all, that's true. That's a straight fact. Especially a, considering how many, when you go over there and how many languages they know, you know, including Russian and then their own languages or whatnot. Exactly. There's yes. so many people that are bilingual, trilingual, whatever, in those European countries. Well, on top of that, people who could speak more than one language are smarter than people who can only speak one. I mean, they access another part of their brain or something like that. But people who could speak more than one language are sharper. They tend to be. That doesn't mean they're all Mensa card carriers, but at the very least, you know, they are using their brain, whereas most Americans, seemingly to me anyway, have a tendency right. to be lazy or make an excuse not to do something, which is certainly the category I happen to fall in when it comes to Russian. So that's uh, <laughs> my problem. I feel at least you're aware of it. <laughs> I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. It's just that, hey, you know what? Everybody wants Greco-Roman articles every day. So there's a sacrifice there. I can't learn Russian because of it. I wanted to, you know what though? Nah, I think you can learn it. Oh, I 
No way. I, yeah, we should okay. make that a goal. We should make that a goal. Uh, see, you're, you don't do that because now, because then it's going to come. You're saying that like it's written. It doesn't have to be fluent. It doesn't have to be. We, we're not saying fluent, super fluent. You know, like we pretty much, you know, people thinking that you lived there before, but good <laughs> enough to communicate. All right. Good enough to communicate to get from here to there. Why, you know, if you're talking to people who know Russian, Plenty. have a basic conversation, you know? <laughs> Good enough to go into Brooklyn, Coney Island to get in a dice game with all the there you go. out there. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's okay. It's it's funny because like there's a lot of Russians around here. This part of uh, the New Jersey, New York area. There's a lot of them, tons of them. Russian food markets and stuff like that. Yeah, I, there's a couple of neighborhoods and stuff. It's it's weird. But uh, that's all helping the cause now. Yeah, yeah, it would. I, I I don't know I I I, I not I, to mention too. What up? You can interview Russian wrestlers and find out what they're saying, you know, and translate what they're saying about us. Just like on the inside, or see what they're saying, what they think about us. Yeah, that is something I would even entertain. There was a point, there was a a period, right when I would say the after the first year the first full year after the platform launched where we were kind of kind of redetermining the content plan just we're okay this is you know year two these are the concerns for year two it's the paris world year this that that this we had at the time and i don't know who would even be locked into this but at the time there was probably about 15 percent if not more than that of the articles that came out on five point were international articles having to do with, you know, whatever tournaments, whatever programs and Mm -hmm. things like that. It, there was maybe 15 to 20% of the time. So if there's 10 articles, two of those tens, two of those 10 articles might be something about, you know, one of the foreign programs, a foreign athlete, things like that. The first ever interview that ever, the first ever full length athlete interview on five point move is with Jim Peterson, who won a bronze medal for Sweden in 2014. That's the, the first athlete ever interviewed on five point is not an American. It's a Swede. Wow. That's true. Yeah, that is cool. And, like, the reason why I, I chose him was because I had watched him compete. I liked his style, and I knew he was a tweener, and he was trying to qualify for Rio at 77, 75 then. And it wound up going to uh, somebody else. Anyway, it's not the point. Um, but anyhow... We had to deviate back to a much more heavier concentration on the U.S. and not include as much international material, if only because the audience kind of demanded it. Just looking at metrics and things like that. Like anything U.S. that was getting put out was getting gobbled up. Anything foreign was getting foreign traffic, but not enough to justify veering away towards our program, our athletes, and things like that. But, like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's even more so, and a lot of people don't know this, and now you've broken this open, so I'll be transparent. But there was a point where we had contacted a a collection of uh, foreign uh, national federations, and Mm -hmm. 
just pooling, just almost to serve as an aggregate. Like, here, just send us info, send us your results and things like that, and we'll put them out in Monday pieces and things like that and everything else, just to kind of widen the Greco scope a little bit. If anything, to make it digestible for the American audience, because the way that I saw it was if we get the American wrestling fans more knowledgeable about this style and how it is treated internationally, then they'll have a better understanding of a, what this sport has to offer and b, what exactly it is our program and our athletes have to contend with. So I figured it served a pretty good dual purpose. And out of all of the federations, now I have a good, a pretty good back and forth relationship with several federations, but Russia really kind of impressed me the most because while there were other federations that were, you know, completely on board and cool and like, Hey, yeah, yeah, we'll be so into this. Yeah. You know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Russia went a step further than everybody. And what they did was after I contacted them, which all I did was reach out via email. I didn't call Russia, just emailed. But Mm -hmm. a day later they sent they sent an emissary to contact me. And then I got an email back from the Russian Federation. And then this guy, I'm not going to mention his name on the air, but this guy contacted me. He's like, I like, basically I should, I should go and hunt down the email. But he, he basically says like, I will be your contact for Russia Greco wrestling. <laughs> and like, that was it. And then like, anytime I've had questions or something like that or whatever, he gives me the answers. If I have, you know, like who's going to this tournament or who's going this way. Like I knew that Vlasov was going 82 in 2017, like four or five months before it was ever announced. But I didn't do anything with it. If only because, you know, the audience, I exactly. I just I was like, okay, well, I don't know who's. I don't want to go ahead and put four or five hours of effort into a piece of content and the ROI on it not fantastic. So, but yeah, right. Like, uh, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, like that we do that we get the views that we do get. You know, um, just considering Greco, because like just putting it into perspective, you know, I think that um, like you said, there's a lot of countries that wrestle Greco, right? And uh, you see how big the, the Greco brackets are at the World Championships, you know? And how many countries are, are actually wrestling Greco. And then not only that, the depth of the brackets, you know what I mean? And so, like, I mean, there's guys, there's five or six, four or five, six World Championships at one way as opposed to, you know, one or two, you know, people dominating the whole weight class. And um, that just shows the depth of it, and, and and you know how difficult and how tough it is, and how com- not how competitive it is. And um, I don't know. I just think that like like anything else, you know, like Gre- Greco's hard. I mean, if Greco was easy, everybody would be wrestling Greco. I mean, not to consider the fact that uh, in the U.S. we wrestle folk style, and that you know that caters more to freestyle, and people want to go to college and de- get a degree, you know, whatnot. We've been there Olympic dream after that is wrestling folks uh freestyle because folk style caters to it. But at the same time, I mean nobody's blind, you know, we and it's pretty blatant. If you wrestle college your whole life, you know, and then you and what's the next what's the next best route for you after that, you know? Wrestle freestyle or Greco. It's a hundred percent blatant, hundred percent obvious that 
switching from folk style to Greco would be the harder route. So, I mean, it's a fact that Greco is harder to wrestle because if it wasn't, everybody would be everybody would be wrestling Greco. It would be the more dominant style. People don't tend to do the harder things. The squat rack is always open in the weight room. Ooh, that's a good line. Um, yeah, I, I and, and the, the tragedy, the tragedy is that, I mean, I don't want to call it arrogance. I, I think it's just not enough exposure, but the tragedy is, is that so much of the American audience doesn't understand the enthusiasm and respect Greco receives in other nations, like how their events are boisterous, they are loud, they are into it. And I'm not even just talking about the Iranians are crying out loud. Like, you know, you come here and people are hesitant when they see clips and they see stuff and they, whether that's a developmental kind of uh, problem or not, but when you go to a final X or a world team trials or a national tournament and it's a, and it's the final round, let's say. So like a, well, a final X, there's no choice, but nevertheless, when there's a, like a, like a, a giant Greco scoring sequence, which of course is going to involve a throw of some sort, most 95% of the time, people even who aren't into Greco go berserk over it. Like everybody's attracted to that. You know, and it's like, yeah, but the difference is, is that overseas, when they're watching guys pummel and hand fight, they're on the edge of their seats because they know like the, the tactical battle that is taking place here that leads to the flowery, awesome throws that everybody wants to see anyway. Man, you got you took the words right out of my mouth. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think we, um, uh... You first and foremost, five point move, things like that, you know, putting Greco on the map and help catapult Greco and educate people about Greco and just letting them know who we are too, the Greco athletes and what we do and all that, you know, all the content is just good stuff for improving Greco and getting it, you know, getting it out there so more people know about it and more people can watch it, you know, and promote it. So, I mean, it starts with stuff like that. So, I mean, it don't get better than what it is from coming from you. And I think that uh, every single person, every single Greco athlete loves what you do and is grateful about everything that you do for us. Okay, well, that is an amazing thing to say. Obviously, it is well appreciated. Hits me right square in the heart. Um, yeah, that means a lot to me uh, coming from you, of course. And that's taking my personal affinity for you. You you are our, our even though does have a content for us sometimes you are our, our flow you know like i'd rather be you know i'd rather be on your podcast i'd rather be on your content you know i'd rather have like your links you know you know that's that's where i feel like i'm home that's why i feel like when i when content come out i can go to they people can put me on slow you know or whatever uh track wrestling matt whatever but the my what i want people what people know me from and what they know the greco wrestlers like Every all of our results for everything comes from five point move. So I mean, we got we got to kind of we cherish you, man. We own you as our own. So 
right. Well, look, and I'm I, I'm usually not an emotional guy, but that's uh, incredible. I, I appreciate that. I only hope my wife listens to it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's real though, for real. So, like, when we come back home from se- September, coming back from Kazakhstan, and we we're having a world championship podcast and whatnot. You know, we wanted to come from you, so be ready for that. Oh, I am ready for that. In fact, I will have um, Nate Engel on location in Kazakhstan to help out. My not being on site is actually a benefit to operate the platform as opposed to being there, if only because of the amount of writing that I tend to do. But I'll say this much. The one thing that I, I, I really am looking forward to is the fact that the time difference is going to completely flip my entire existence upside down for three, three or four days or whatever it is. Like, that is a learned skill, is being able to do those wake-ups. Like, that is a learned skill. Like, uh, I'll never forget... I'll never forget when when tournaments started like being streamed live, like however many years ago that is now, and it's like like Beijing Olympics when Spencer Spencer had the Romanian first round and stuff like that, and it was like yeah, you know, like you're up at like like you don't even go to sleep because the time difference is so major, but whatever. Anyway, I'm gonna block. Yeah, that. no, I know what you mean. I've been there before. On the opposite side, being injured and trying to watch and and see how my teammates are doing. But yeah, like you don't want to miss out on this one. I'll tell you what, sixty-seven Grecos are going to be a super exciting weight class to watch. No, well, I'm looking forward to uh, historic performance. I, I, I totally <laughs> am. Like, absolutely, I am. That this is just such a this is such a good group. It's it's really. It's a really special group in in terms of where everybody's at in their careers, especially not not to uh, discount the non-Olympic weights, but especially the Olympic weights. You look who everybody is. You look who, not just who they are and what they're capable of and even what they've done, but you just look at them as humans. You look at who they are as humans and you look at what they've gone through to be here and be on this team right now. And it's like, it's a great group. Right. Makes you feel like we have all the right people at all the right spots. (laughs) It's exciting too. For this team. Yeah. I mean, I normally try to stray away from like any kind of, you know, I, I never want to kind of show like favoritism or something like that, or, choosing one athlete over another or things like this. But like, you know what, for where we are right now. And when I say right now, I don't mean qualifying for Tokyo. I don't mean uh, towards the end of a quad or something like that. I'm talking about this generation, this era right now, where everybody is at, this is the team for this. I mean, this is the group. This is who it has to be. That's the feeling I get. Just looking at all the roads that led to get here, you know, looking at how everybody got their spot, looking at 
what everybody on this team, this particular team has gone through over the past couple of years and everything else. And it's like, this seemed to fall together very well. And I just hope it comes to fruition in a couple of weeks. I think it will. I have a, I'm really pumped about it. God willing. God willing is right. God willing. We are T minus what? Five, six days till you leave. I think. Yeah, we leave next Friday, um, so probably eight days. Eight days, eight days. Okay, so there we are. Anyway. And then we compete on the competition starts on the 14th. So once we get out there, it's just like, that's what I'm saying, like it's just a whole different feeling, you know, being back home. And then once you get there, it's just, I mean, even if you, even though we know that the competition isn't another week, you know, from when we get there, another, tour, uh, what is it, get there on the 5th or 6th and then, Ten day, eight days. Eight or nine days. Yeah. yeah. Another week from when we get there. You just, you know, you get in game mode and you just, you just get ready, you know? And for me, it's like, I don't know. I don't want, it's not, I don't want to get, I don't want to get serious, you know? I like, it, I've taken different uh, perspectives and different ways to see it and different ways, ways to go about it, but I want to get excited, you know? I want to have fun out there. So, business is business, but at the same time, you know, I want to dance and be able to do what I do because when I wrestle my best is when I'm when I'm flowing and I'm free, you know, and just enjoying myself. So when you are you, you're practically I mean you're untouchable. You know where where I go when it comes to this topic, and that goes to Thor Masters 2017. Like like when life was breathed back into you, like full stop. <laughs> I actually felt that way too. Actually, when I I, I still remember to I can remember that match. When I think about it, just how I was in the zone. So that's the plan, you know, go out there and get in the zone and have fun. Do you get that feeling when, like, when, the, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing you have a connecting flight to Kazakhstan somewhere. But when you touch down in Kazakhstan, when that plane touches down and you're getting off, like, when you when your feet make contact with Kazakhstan soil, do you, like, immediately get, like, like a feeling? Like, is there something that... Yeah, I always, every time, yeah. I get, like, a rush. Just for it's instant, you know, just for that moment. Like, oh, you know, like, I'm here. Like, this is what I... You know, I know what I'm here for, and I'm, I am I finally arrived. I'm here, you know. Even if, even if it is, like, a week before or two weeks before, like, just something about it, like, touching down and making that safe flight and just knowing, you know, what, what you came to do and what you did to do. It's like, I get a rush every single time. And I get like super antsy, like I'm about to wrestle that day for a little bit. I get super antsy and then I listen to my music and just as we're heading, walking off the plane to head the baggage claim, I just put my music on and just start thinking about, I don't know, every single time I don't know why, I just start thinking about wrestling and what my me dancing my music, me warming up and me just flowing. And then once we get our bags, it all go away. <laughs> <laughs> do you bring I asked you what goes in your suitcase do you bring any of your own food with you yeah I, I bring uh, I mean I like to bring comfortable stuff you know so like whatever whatever gonna like keep me at ease and I don't have to like move like feel comfortable when I'm moving around and doing stuff so cause I never you never know what, what you get into going overseas you know like if you're gonna have to carry your bags or walk anywhere or do this and that so I always try to bring some comfortable stuff. I normally throw a lot of clothes out too. If I uh, like sweats, I, I, when I started doing, I started buying Walmart sweats. 
So if I have to lose, because I got tired of losing clothes. And um, one, losing clothes, and two, I give a lot of clothes away to the foreigners. A lot of people like the USA gear, and sometimes some people want to trade, and sometimes some of those dudes don't have good gear. So I, I, Cubans, I always give a lot of gear to the Cubans because I'm friends with a lot of them, but like other countries. And so um, I buy Walmart, Walmart sweats and, some, and stuff. So I can just throw those, out, throw those out or leave them there when I'm done with them, and I'll have room just in case I buy stuff, you know, for the family and whatnot when I'm coming back home and whatever gear I trade. Huh. That's an interesting kind of approach, yeah. I mean, I remember there was a few years ago, I was in Delaware, of all places, and I uh, had to take a, what was a, it was a, some dumbass vacation, and um, I stopped at, a, before we left, I stopped at, a, we had to take a ferry, so I stopped at Walmart, and I wanted like... Um, just like I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if it was a laundry thing. I don't remember what the hell my motivation was, but I, I bought a pair of like, you know, like track pants, kind of like you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like that. And um, I remember my daughter was like one and a half at the time, and I, she was going ape shit on the cruise. I don't know what the ferry. She was like just completely a maniac, and. I don't know what happened, but like the entire inseam to those pants ripped in half, and I was just like, never again, like just never again, like <laughs> I'm just doing this again. It's all embarrassed. Everybody's, you know, like you even people, like you know that people aren't going to say shit, but you know they're laughing at you anyway. It's just a bad feeling. Yeah, I was just like, all right, you know, like everybody's going to do that though, you know. <laughs> just, just talk just it's eat crazy. that L just eat the L there's nothing else you can do I'll it. tell you what it's one thing that I do like a lot too like that's what I'm saying like those small little aspects like I mean we might take it for granted and we don't really care about them but they mean a lot you know like we get new singlets every year new gear like for me that's like that's another like it's another plus for me like I, I don't use my singlets. I don't break them in. I don't wear them. I want to wear. I like to. I like them to be fresh. I don't wash them. I don't do anything. So I like to be fresh and brand new for the day that I wrestle. You know, and put them on. Like my socks too. New socks, new singlets, and sometimes new shoes. But I, I, for shoes, I like my shoes to be worn in. And um, they could be new, but after I've worn them a few times. But I like to be. I like to like something about when I when I put on new gear and you know it just makes me feel like a new person. It makes me feel really 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 good. So I always try to make sure that. I keep my singlets and my and my socks fresh for the day that I compete. Oh, so that's why last week when everybody got their gear and they're hogging up, you know, Instagram with posing for pictures and everything else, you weren't among them wearing your uh, singlets, I guess. Yeah, they because they wanted us to they they I guess they made us take pictures and stuff for the singlets and like the national team gear and whatnot. But yeah, I, I want like I just want to be fresh when I when I go out there. So. <laughs> It's just something about like everybody got their own taking their own thing, and that's that's my thing. Like it makes me feel something about it that makes me feel good. Ah, uh, no, it's awesome. Like I mean, like you get to wrestle in the world championships, you get like freaking fly ass singlets and a bag and warm up stuff and everything else. Like ah, uh, it's awesome. And and the only thing is, 
I mean, it's going away now because wrestling sneakers have basically become gentrified. But what I used to be hardcore into, like starting in, I don't know, fourth grade or so, was like I used to even some of the, you know, some of the Asian countries still have like different shoes. But like I'm into I used to be really into like foreign versions of wrestling shoes. Like, just they had the best shoes. Like, I mean, look at what happened when Adidas took over. Like, they wound up making that stuff pretty readily available. But for years, you yeah. saw the Soviets wearing Adidas and all this. And, like, they had the combat speeds. But I don't know what the hell they were called before then. But, like, you know, like, I, I love the shoes. Like, the awesome shoes. Like, where, like, they're just weird and... You know, I don't know if they're good or not, or better or not, but, like, just dope. Like, when they have, like, there's, like, weird color combinations and stuff like that. I mean, it's going away because all these national federations have deals with shoe companies now that everybody else does, but. No, that's true. I, like, I have some similar perspective. Well, is what it is. We've got the best. Uh, we've got the best gear, though. I mean, that's true, and and I understand that it is a luxury. You know, I'm I I I I know that a lot of these foreign nations they're rewearing the same stuff in a lot of cases. You know, um, I'll tell you what's awesome. What's really awesome is that at the Tbilisi Grand Prix in '17, when when U.S. went over there, there was. Um, I mean, you were there too, I should say, yeah. is the Georgians were wearing singlets with Jacob Kirby on them. And I thought that yeah. was awesome. Like, that was crazy. Like, I, I, I wanted to get one. Like, I, I was like, I got to get one because I would have given I – I contacted Georgia. Georgia's awful when it comes to contact. We talk about National Federation before. Georgia's just t- terrible. But, like, <laughs> I go and I, I was like, I want to get one for Joe Cellini. That's why I wanted to get one. Kirby was his best friend, and I, you know, Doctor Kirby, has, I guess, went over to Georgia, and they, you know, have a relationship and stuff like that. But like that was amazing. Like, dude, just imagine being up at like two thirty in the morning for the beginning of a tournament in freaking Georgia, and you, you're like, I'll never forget it. Like, I'm seeing these guys on the screen, and I'm like, dude, is that Kirby? Some of those singlets, I know. Uh, I remember the, when the Georgians came to Chicago to do for one of the Kirby trucks. Yeah, I remember because we had a big, uh, big ceremony or whatnot. So I seem like I know a bunch of those guys pretty well. So they're all nice you guys. Should have gotten a singlet, dude. Very respectful too. Yeah, should have should have handed over and traded up, traded up. Awesome. I still got some. Actually, that I got, I got a few Kirby singlets. No, but I'm talking one of the Georgian versions. Yeah, no, no, no. I know those dudes are not, like, you know how 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 much those things those mean to them when they get stuff like that. No, I, I mean no it, it, it has a, it has a little bit more sentimental a- aspect for us because we know who Kirby is and whatnot. But those they love like new gear and stuff like that, especially when it's like from the USA. Like they all those other countries, they love they love that they love those type of gears. Every time I go overseas. I get people trying to trade singlets, and I never even knew the significance of it because I was like, when I first did it, I was like, why would I want your singlet? You know, it has your name on it. <laughs> it has your name on it. Why would you want mine? It has my name on it. But they like that. They, there's something about it that they like. Even still to this day, you know, I don't really 
not a big deal to me, but they love it. And they like it. So if they ask, I'll trade with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's one of the cool things about our culture, you know. I mean, in high school it was different. You know, in high school, I don't, I don't know how it was at OPRF, but I'll tell you where I went to high school in our district, our conference and stuff like that. Everybody would steal from each other. So, like, you were in some other team's locker room. Chances are you or somebody else in your team was going to take some shit of theirs, even if it wasn't wrestling related. Like, one year I took, like, a freaking Bloomfield softball jersey or some shit like that. And they came to your locker room. If anything was left behind, like, they took it. Like, stealing stealing gear. Like, you didn't steal somebody's shoes or something like that, because that was kind of like an unwritten rule. But if it was, like, apparel of any sort, you took it. And they would take it from you. Like, that was something we had. I, I, I mean. No, I think that's a, that's still a common, uh, common rule overseas. You know, <laughs> don't leave, don't leave anything because it will, it will get taken. If it looks, if it looks pretty cool, it's valuable to them, even if it doesn't, I guess. But yeah, they'll take it. Yeah, that's one, that's one instance where I don't look at theft as necessarily wrong part yeah. like it's like no 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 no. it's okay like because down the line some shit of mine is going to get taken anyway or it already has like this is just how it works it's the circle of life like right yeah. i mean and it's just i mean one man's trash is another man's trash you know like those things are super you, you, you mean i won't say like some people make mistakes or whatever but i mean kind of taking it for granted too like because you get we get so much gear you know like oh ooh, i forgot i left this oops i left this you know but those things, like to them, some of those, some of them is like that mean a lot, you know. Like they make sure, you know, like it's either on my back or tied to something of mine that I won't leave it, you know. So if they see something like that, like their eyes are blinking, man, wide, wide open, bright, bright eyed, well, ready I to mean, take it home. But are there? Okay, well then answer me this. Uh, like I just said that, like you know, you didn't steal. Like, you didn't steal shoes, because that seemed, like, that was, like, a little bit different. Like, I, I mean, I, it's happened. I know it's happened. I, I had teammates who stole shoes. I never did, and I never had shoes stolen from me. I had I had headgears stolen from me, and I never took a headgear. I've only taken sweatshirts, singlets, things like that. Is it right. is there a similar code of ethics? Like, are there things that are off limits? Yeah, for sure. You know, like... Electronics, obviously, um, definitely. Um, I think clothes is a little bit more, like a little less. You know, like people here and there. You know, like oh, I lost some gear, or whatever. He took some gear, but definitely electronics are off off limits, and then backpacks off limits. You know, but I mean, I think that just for anybody, you know, whatever you whatever you think is is valuable to you is is how you're gonna you know how you're gonna read it, or how you're gonna take it. You know, so. If, it, if it's a shirt that means a lot to you, then you're going to be pissed about it, obviously. But I don't really, you know what I mean? I don't really complain about nothing. I ain't really too, I'm a nonchalant type of, don't really care type of dude, you know? I might even take a picture with the dude who stole my shirt. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's just the type of person I am. So. No, you're a uh, big picture kind of guy. <laughs> you let the small fish I out. think that'd be funny anyways. I would think about that, like, this is the uh, Instagram pic. This is the Georgian dude that stole my shirt. Check it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because, oh, now that you talk about it, I just realized, yeah, in Georgia, that U.S. 
my favorite sweater. I haven't, I haven't, the one that I wore, the last time I had it, I think I took it to Georgia and I couldn't wear it because I left it at one of the venues and uh, it was the sweater I wore that, that Thor Masters tournament when I wrestled the Stars and Stripes one? That, yeah, I've been looking for that sweater for, and I can't, it's gone. It's completely gone and I've always wanted to wear that at one of the world championships. That was my, just one of the things I wanted to do and I don't have that sweater no more. So, in other words, right now, Somewhere, somebody like who, you know, probably doesn't speak a lick of English, perhaps, is... Is wearing a cool USA sweater. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's... Well, I mean, can you find a replica? Like, can you find... Like, have you, you know... Like, I tried. I was trying to look for it. I kept trying to look for it. I'm going to go back and... Since I mentioned it to you again, I'm about to go back and start trying to look for it and try to see if I get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, odds are there's another one out there. Now the question is, can you get it before next Friday? Right. Hmm. Probably could if I find it. I've been trying to find it. I can't find it anywhere. Stop. And I don't want anything like similar to it. You know, I no, want you that want same the exact brand. thing. You want the exact. Yeah, thing. I want that same brand, that same type of sweater. It was like silk and it shined and ah. Uh, <sighs> It was a good sweater. Wait, it was silk. It was kind of no, it was it wasn't actually silk, but I'm, it kind of looked like that because the way it shined, it had like a, it had like a little a tint to it, a shine to it, like that was made it like even when you took pictures with it, it looked like it was illuminated because it shined pretty good. Right, because that there was that photographer. Uh, I don't know. I'll input her name, but she took like a couple of really awesome pictures of you wearing it. Um, yeah, I have a couple pictures of it on my Instagram. That's the last memory of it. Can't find it anymore. Let me see. I will find it, though, now that you mentioned it. Now let you know. <laughs> if I remember, the, the blue stars, the stars, well, not blue stars, but the stars were on the back, right? Yeah, no, they, the blues, they had stars on the back, but they were in the front as well. It was half... Stars were from my shoulders to my elbows. It was blue with stars from my shoulders to elbows. And then the bottom was red and white. And then the hoodie was red and white stripes. Okay. Well, the directive has been set. If anybody listening to this can use that description, search it up, send it our way. That way Ellis can have his stars and <laughs> sweater. Yeah, that'd, that'd be dope if somebody found it. That would be very much appreciated for sure. I think we have it covered, Ellis. Uh, parting shots before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, no, I just want to tell you again, you know, I can't say it enough. Thanks for having me, and uh, always thanks for everything that you do for the Greco program and Greco-Roman wrestling in general. Um, big shout-out um, and big, uh, big hand and big props to the juniors, you know, that went out and did their thing. And good luck to me and my brothers now. It's our time to do the same thing. I can say with extreme confidence, you have the entire country behind you. Next time Dennis Yozich, you tell him uh, wrestle a grind match with me. He used to wrestle. I used to have to wrestle him in grind matches when I was in college with him. And I think it had been a long time since we wrestled, and I think it'd be fun to whoop his ass now. Well, I'm sure he'd love to hear that. Uh, I think it would probably get his, get him nice and going. Uh, you know, you got to get my ass whooped when I was in college trying to learn Greco, and he was beating the hell out of me and punching me in the head. 
Okay, here, I'll tell you a quick Dennis Hall story. This is a true story. This is a very true story. And this was probably a couple, few years before you uh, came of age and shared a mat with him. Um, first time I met him, we were, we had him, my brother had a wrestling academy in Georgia. And we, you know, like we were, we, he had a, a, you know, a camp, like a camp at the club and we were looking for a clinician and I wanted Hall, obviously. I, you know, we, he and I weren't uh, cool yet, but I wanted Hall. I was like, wow, well, we got to get Dennis Hall, you know, he's available and like, it'd be amazing and all this other stuff and whatever. So he comes, he does the, you know, he does this clinic and it's, and it's like, uh, it's like a madhouse, really. Like, I mean, I just, there's stuff, like, I mean, I wasn't really, you know, I'm not, I wasn't elite at level athlete competitive at the time, but I was still practicing and helping out and everything else. And I remember he was teaching his front headlock, front headlock from uh, Parterre. And I'm, you know, I'm overthinking, I'm paying attention, I'm taking like mental notes and stuff like that because I'm working with a kid who had won Fargo the year before and I'm helping him out and stuff. And he comes over to like look at, look at our work, you know, and I ask him a question. I'm just like, hey, do you know, do you roll your wrist underneath or like whatever? And he's like, no, just squeeze the shit out of it and pull. And I was like, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So later on, <laughs> later on, we're back at my brother's house in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're back, and we we had him over for dinner, Hall, and you know because he's out of town and stuff, and you know uh, we you know he was we put him up at a good hotel and all that stuff, but I mean like you know we my brother made steaks, you have him over, so my brother and his now ex-wife, funny how that works out. Um, they're in the kitchen getting dinner ready. My nephews and my niece, they're running around doing whatever they're doing. And Hall and I are in, in my brother's living room just talking about just different stuff, Greco stuff and all this. And he's asking me just like, you know, what would, you know, what do you do after, you know, like first contact and you're coming in, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm looking for underhook or whatever. And he's like, now you got to club them. I was like, okay. He's like, I used to have. He, this is like he was only like a a biscuit removed from 2004 at the time. And he goes, because uh, I I have a sick club. I was like, okay, you know, like I, I didn't like I didn't say I don't believe you. I was like, yeah, like oh yeah, sure, you know. I mean, I I used to have a poster of Hall in my bedroom throughout the scope of my high school life. Like, I know exactly what, like, he, the kind of shit he did, you know? Like, I, I, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know, okay. And then he clubs me, unprompted. <laughs> I did not do, I didn't say shit to him. I didn't do anything. Like, unprompted, he clubs me in the neck, like, really, really super-duper hard. And it's like the meat of his palm, like, perfectly connected with, like, my, car- my carotid artery or something. That's his thing too. That club. That's what I'm talking about. Imagine, imagine feeling that for 60 minutes. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean sometimes I'll break his balls and I'll say like, "How long do you think I last in a match with you?" I'll, I'll be like, "I mean, I'm still in really, you know, like for for my station life, I'm in good shape." You know, I'm like, "How long do you think?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh, you wouldn't last 30 seconds." 
I'm like, dude, I can last a period. Like, he's like, no. He's like, what will happen when I get on top? Um, you know, and that's a good point because, I mean, I'm sure I can't defend him. But, like, uh, you know, I'll say shit to kind of rile him up. Like, sometimes I'll get done working out and, like, I'll, like, still be, like, I'll have the endorphin rush or some shit. And I'll, like, call him up. I'll be like, man, I wish you were here right now just so I could, like, you know, bounce some jabs off your head. And like, and he just always continues, just continues to threaten me and emasculate me and everything else. And yeah, I already know what you what you talking about, man. Because I know <laughs> how he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really awesome when you're like with your two kids and you're on the phone with Hall and he's like calling you a bitch sixty five different ways and everything else. It's nice. I like it. It's uh, certainly the a defining characteristic of our dynamic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's one of a kind, as you are. So, uh, whatever. Yeah, I'd like to like to see that happen anyway, Ellis. Um, all right, man, we'll look at it. Go do what you do. You have everybody behind you. We have everybody behind this team. Uh, everybody's pumped up. I'm pumped up. I'm looking forward to it, man. God bless and good luck, Ellis. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, Tim. Represent your team or club with top quality singlets, board shorts, and two-piece uniforms from BarbarianApparel.com. Get creative with team logos and custom designs that make a statement on and off the mat. Worn by the pros and trusted by national teams all over the world, Barbarian Apparel supplies wrestlers with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available. To learn more, stop by BarbarianApparel.com today and save 10% off using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel. Style everyone notices. Quality everyone respects. And that was 2019 U.S. World Team member Ellis Coleman, an Olympian in 2012, on his third straight U.S. World Team and his fifth senior world-level team overall, along with having been a two-time Junior World Bronze Medalist. Speaking of Junior World Bronze Medalists, we will have both Austin Nutter and Peyton Omanya on the next episode next week. So there's going to be back-to-back Episodes of the podcast hitting you in the face. There will also be more senior coverage before they leave for Kazakhstan next Friday. And there's going to be even more material, obviously, coming up right just before the Worlds finally hits the all-important qualifying World Championships. Hall will be back next episode as well. So there's just a lot to look forward to. There's a lot going on. I think there's a lot of confidence in this team. I know that so much of the talk has been driven around qualifying, qualifying those six weights, and rightfully so. It's a major, major topic. But I meant what I said. I mean, this is as good a group as there could have possibly been for this year, for where everybody's at in their respective careers. And hopefully that means something in a couple of weeks, and we will certainly find out. Social media concerns. Ellis, Ellis Coleman, can be found on both Instagram and Twitter at the same username. That is the Flying Squirrel. The Flying Squirrel. Not the Flying Squirrel. The D-A Flying. No G at the end of that. Squirrel. And he doesn't really do much on Twitter, but he's very, very popular on Instagram, as you might imagine. Dennis Hall. Dennis Hall doesn't do anything on Twitter, of course. 
He said he would, if you remember the last episode, said if somebody gets at him or involves him, he'll interact. Of course, that hasn't happened. Nevertheless, you can follow Dennis Hall on Twitter at Dennis Hall WGW. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to fivepointmove.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at 5PTMove. That's it for episode 27, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.